Welcome to a very, very special edition <laughs> of the Deconstructionist Podcast. <laughs> oh man, this intro is going to be painful because all I want to do is just hit play on this interview. But uh, we are your hosts. I'm Adam Narlock and I am John Williamson. And uh, our guest today, um, and we are so thrilled and so thankful that he was kind enough to um, j- he just flown back from Australia from doing a, the Australian leg of the tour that he's doing. He's got to be slightly busy. Yeah, he's a busy dude. He's got a new book coming out. Um, his name is Rob Bell. And for those of you that don't know him, he's a best-selling author, international teacher, and a public speaker who is highly sought after. Um, his books include uh, one that you may have heard of called Love Wins. Yeah. He's got other books out there that are amazing. What we talk about when we talk about God, the Zimzum of love, Velvet Elvis, Sex God, Jesus Wants to Save Christians. I forgot about Sex God. Dude. Yeah. I got some good quotes from that one we're going to throw up when we do that episode. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Drops Like Stars. Uh, when he was 28, he founded Mars Hill Bible Church in Michigan. Um, while his time there, uh, during his time there, rather, um, he built it up into this giant mega church, like 10, yeah, 15,000. It was amazing. Huge. They bought a mall. You know what's so cool about this place, too? When we when we went there, um, we were trying to find it because it's like Mars Hill Church, dude. It's like one of the biggest, most progressive, like amazing, <laughs> creative, awesome churches like in the United States. We do a road trip. We get up there and maps like says we're there. Yeah. And we don't see anything. You're looking for a church. it's supposed to be this giant church. And there's this old kind of like tumble down mini strip mall deal. And it says like it's the right address. But there's no signs. Right. There's no nothing. It's just this old abandoned strip mall. And then there's this little logo on the front with the like, if you've ever seen the Marshall logo, it's these little green circles all in a circle. And that's that it. so funny. Didn't have, the, didn't have the name, didn't have the hours, didn't have anything. I remember him talking about that too, how he... Uh, specifically did not want to advertise they have to want it yeah <laughs> that is the Don't opposite make it way easy to find yeah that they is the opposite way it. you start a church I mean, right come on but this guy i mean one of the biggest churches in, in america in 2011 he was in time magazine as one of their 100 most influential people in the world and then he was also featured in 2014 on oprah's life you want tour and has uh, spoken at events all over the world uh, went to Fuller, you know, got There's a seminary. There's a million degree. things we could say. Uh, if you haven't checked out anything by Rob Bell and you don't like to read, I probably don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but because <laughs> we, we always just throw quotes and books out there. But some of his videos on YouTube specifically, look at everything is spiritual. Yeah. Um, it'll knock your socks off and you'll enjoy every minute of it. Oh my gosh. And this interview, like he could not have been more kind and gracious and just sit back regardless of if you agree uh, with kind of his theology or not, um, just like we recommend with anybody, yeah. just sit back and just open up a little bit. Yeah, just listen. Because he's going to drop some nuggets yeah, on you. just listen. So good. My so guess enjoy. is that both ends of the spectrum, you know, if you are uh, more like a, you know, we always kind of say the conservative sort of fundamentalist side mm-hmm. represented here are going to hear that we're interviewing Rob Bell and their eyes are going to roll and they're going to go, I know all about that guy. No, you don't. You really don't. And I guarantee you at the end of this interview, you're going to say, Wait, why don't I like him? Why, why, why don't I value what he has to say? But then, you know, the others that are like, "Oh, you're interviewing a pastor. You're going all Christian on us." No, no, no. Just listen, because he right. is going to drop some really profound stuff that you're probably going to go, "Wait, I think I like that guy." Yeah, you know. So, yeah, really open up. Check this guy out, and uh, you know, check out his website, robbell.com. 
uh, for his current tour that he's he's working on. And um, by the time this episode drops, he'll have, I believe, just been starting his North American part of the tour. Yeah, because of his books coming out, which we're going to talk about on the episode, but it's How to Be Here. Yes, How to Be Here. And and uh, he, talks, he tells this amazing story about how that book came to be. Yeah, so you'll have to out. listen in. Yeah, without, enjoy it. Without further ado, I can't believe we got this. Here's Rob Bell. <laughs> you guys are going to love this. <laughs> All right, enjoy. So we've been doing this for roughly a month, and it's been really crazy. Really um, crazy. We've... <laughs> Why is that? Well, Why? we kind of felt like, you know, a year from now, if we, you know, circle back around, if we have 100 listeners within our community, that would be great. That'd be kind of cool. And within three weeks, we had thousands and people emailing us from everywhere. Yeah. Australia. And it's so crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really weird. <laughs> so it's been, I mean, we're just having so much fun doing this. And um, so for you to, to accept our invitation to be on our show is just unbelievable because, um, <laughs> for my personal experience, yeah. you were you were my my gateway into this broader what I what I talk about is my, my a more beautiful inclusive faith because I expansive I picked up Love Wins and it blew my mind, and then from there I I think I've read I'm about halfway through your books I read you know what we talk about when we talk about God and then. Um, Adam was like, you got to read Velvet Elvis. So I read that. And now I'm about three quarters of the way through Jesus Wants to Save Christians. And, uh, and not, then if, not to mention yeah. just the, uh, you know, the art of the sermon, the way you do it, because um, I'm, I'm a preaching, pa- preaching and teaching pastor at this church. And I uh, just have learned so much from you in just how to redeem this, this art of the sermon. So I want to mm-hmm. thank, yeah. thank you for that. I believe in that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to participate in that work. We're trying to participate in that work here. Uh, our That's senior pastor great. is Simon Forsyth. Actually, I met you once in the past. I came to Mars Hill. <laughs> you preached on the uh, parable of the Ten Virgins. Um, oh, and I had those high school girls in white dresses. It was. I'll never <laughs> forget it, man. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Remember when they froze? On the stage, remember that part? Yeah, and then that they all fell asleep a, on the couch, right? Yeah, I was recreating that month's cover of Vanity Fair with their young Hollywood actresses. Um, <laughs> oh, now I remember that cover of Vanity Fair too. <laughs> so I had taken that cover and had tried to get them recreated like that, and didn't mention it or anything. Just wanted for those with ears to hear, would be like, oh my word, this image is on newsstands right now that is so dope man oh i love the backstory (laughs) that's so funny oh i'm sure you could share a million stories about stuff like that i just love how much permission you give yourself to do things that are strange and weird and outside the box and you've influenced a whole lot of people in a really good way man and people are benefiting from it so thank you so much oh that's great oh it's very kind of you are you kidding me (laughs) So I, I don't know how much you've been able to check out about uh, kind of what we're up to, but um, so our our project and, and the way we kind of started this and the focus that we kind of have in regards to the Deconstructionist podcast is to to kind of um, discuss topics that are kind of considered taboo uh, within the Christian church that we really feel like need a voice and need to be talked about um, in a really honest and 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 healthy and safe way. Mm. And so we're trying to create a space for people to come and and join this community and and discuss these things and struggle and doubt together 
um, and realize that it's not only okay, but there are tons of people out there who are going through things like this, and it's not just you, and it's not just us. Um, so we kind of stole the, the term deconstruction in, for ourselves and kind of use it in the way that we're saying, look, we're not saying blow up your entire faith, no. leaving nothing left. We're saying, let's, let's get inside of it. Let's take a look at each part. Some things might need to be tossed away, and some things you, you might want to keep. Um, Sit at the table and question and doubt and wrestle and listen with yeah. humility and grace to people that are different than you and see things differently than you, and mm-hmm. you'll come away with a bigger worldview. Yeah. So right on. So we were like, we got to see if Rob Bell would be interested because he is like the godfather of deconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of your Easter story. I'm like, we we've got to talk to him. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming <laughs> yeah. on. So, so I guess That's yeah. Funny. So I guess uh, whenever you're comfortable, we can we can kind of get started. We we try to keep it very conversational, and yeah, you know, we'll throw in some questions. Yeah, sure. But whatever right. you want to talk about, whatever you're comfortable, that would be great. Yeah, this is as raw and as honest as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Great. Cool. Far away. All right. Great. Whatever you want to do. Thank okay. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, um, so unquestionably, you're you're easily one of the largest names in in Christianity right now um, through the work that you did with Marcel, obviously, and then obviously the the groundbreaking work that you did with the book Love Wins. So your personal story of what we would call deconstruction um, is super remarkable in the respect that, um, as your friend um, you know Peter Rollins would say, you know, God forbid anybody in a leadership position would go through struggles and doubts. Um, especially a pastor who is not only the head of a large church, but, you know, this giant mega church and, you know, and on Easter Sunday, no less. So for, for those who haven't heard that story, I wondered if you could go into that a little bit and kind of what you were, you know, working through at the time. Well, I always saw it as an adventure Mm. and I found Jesus utterly compelling from a young age. Yeah. I mean, I, whenever there was an in-group that had shoved somebody to the edges, Jesus moved from the center to the edges. Oh, oh wow. And when he's asked a question, he responds in good rabbinic fashion with a question. <laughs> yes. There's only like maybe one or two instances in the Gospels where he responds to a question by actually answering it. Right. Otherwise, he responds to the question. Essentially, you're going to have to own this. What do you think? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? So I just, from an early age, faith to me was about desire. And in his parables, they're about desire. They're about your heart. They're about a vision of life that is so captivating, you would drop anything to go after it. Man. That's so great. I never understood the duty and obligation of sitting through boring sermons and giving money to an institution <laughs> that you didn't find. Because when, when I got tickets to see Minette Oil at the Aragon Ballroom in, in 1998, yeah. 1988, when I was 18 years old, I would have crawled there yeah. to see that band. Yeah, absolutely. I would have. My first U2 show, I begged, borrowed, and stealed to get a ride to the Pontiac Silverdome. Because when desire is the animating fuel, you just move heaven and earth to get it. So I didn't ever understand 
how in this whole religion area, somehow it became about something other than the best possible thing you can't imagine doing anything else. Ah, oh, right. So, so the moment pe- people talk about, well, you know, it's just you're just supposed to do that, or you're just supposed to sit through that, or you're just supposed to sign up for that, why? I don't get it. Right. Like nowhere else in your life, you're, you're, you're not wearing your uncle's old trousers. <laughs> and when you went to the store and you bought trousers that fit that you like. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Um, and, and then secondly, like in the scriptures, the scriptures is about Israel and the word Israel means struggle. Yes. So doubt, atheism, struggle, anxiety, cursing the divine are mm. all firmly rooted in this tradition. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when people are like, oh, man, we're having some dangerous conversations. Um, when people say, I'm generally like, no, you're not. Because if you <laughs> right. were, you wouldn't need to say that because there are no dangerous. Someone the other day was like, you know, we're really having some honest faith conversations. Is there some other kind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So true. It's so true. So <laughs> So I think it's important, um, I mean, like the, the Bible is a, a record of stories of people going, my, uh, my people have been slaughtered, mm. my temple has been destroyed, my family members have been hauled off to Babylon, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. Um, loss. Man. Fear. Death. Um, being conquered by an oppressing empire. Um, what does anything mean when all of the orienting symbols, rituals, and rites of life have been torn away? So when somebody is like, you know what, I just, I'm really rejinking this God thing, <laughs> join the club. Join the club. <laughs> you should have um, been there already. Yeah. What you, what you are, do, you happen, the two of you happen to have come out of a tradition that completely lost its way and got hijacked by a number of things that have nothing to do with authentic faith. Let's yes, just say completely it. Agree. Your podcast is not an aberration. No. no. You, you are actually taking part in the healthy, ongoing tradition of faith and spirituality. You're not the weird thing. You're actually, and the word radical comes from the Latin word rad, which means root, like a radish is a root vegetable. Radical is not somebody who wandered off into the deep weeds. Uh, Radical is somebody who actually went back to the source and the original root. It's like the cry of the <laughs> Reformation, ad fontes, back to the sources. They go, but yes. So what you have now is all sorts of people taking apart this Christian tradition, yes. getting blackballed and, and raised eyebrows. And I even know some people who've been criticized. No <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, <laughs> who? <laughs> but that is... It just happens that the whole thing got hijacked by a bunch of forces and ideas that have nothing to do with its true energy source and trajectory. So uh, I think that's really important. So when people are like, what is this dangerous, inclusive stuff? Yeah. Uh, uh, That's (laughs) been this story at every stage of the game. Yes. Whenever it's narrowed, what the orthodox radical voice the true jesus voice does is remind everybody and call out the narrowness oh that's good. that is so <laughs> good so man. far 
<laughs> so you started to feel this way yourself, and you're a megachurch pastor, yeah. best-selling author, Time mm. Magazine's most influential person, one of the people, I mean, and you are being becoming public about new territory, struggle, doubt. I was, new- I was, when I was in college, I was like, wait, 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 that can't be right. <laughs> so... Um, by the time I was a pastor of a church and had started a church, I had I had been growing. Some for some people, when they take it apart, they find themselves in exile. Mm, they they right. deconstruct it to the point where they have nothing. Yeah, right, sure. But for me, the deconstruction, the barometer or the question is: Are you more alive? Yes. Are, are, yes. Is the reverence flowing more? So any there's an uh, there's an old Jewish saying: any old donkey can tear down a barn. Yeah. <laughs> but it takes a special one to build one. Uh, so and and somehow donkeys with hammers and nails is, is a weird image. But <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, and for you all, the danger is deconstruction is people have taken everything apart. Right. Which yes. is easy. That's easy. Yeah. Totally. Easy. What's much more interesting is building something compelling. Because lots of people need food and water, and lots of people are thinking about killing themselves and need somebody to sit with them through the night. And my friend just found out he has cancer, so I've been talking to him and another friend. Like that, that's what people actually need. Yes. So you can spend all this time taking something apart, and in the end, you're just one more person who has a long list of things they don't want to do. That's so right? true. We wanted our name to be the Deconstructionist Reconstructionists, but it was too long. Uh, <laughs> right. That's yeah, a little too long. Um, <laughs> but what's most interesting is... Uh, you're leaving behind a bunch of things that don't work because mm. you have, because you're on the trail of something. Mm, and so yeah. that's how it felt for me. And when we started our church, Kristen and I, my wife Kristen and I had a, like, we're growing and learning. Yes. And so let's just keep going. And so I just, I realized right away that I had observed pastors who had game face, which <laughs> yeah. was what they said to keep their paycheck. Totally, right. man. And, right. and what they would say to you is, oh, yeah, but I'm, but I'm reading this and it's blowing my mind, but I could never tell anybody that. Yeah. And then they had what they, their actual heartbeat. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. And I simply decided, and Kristen and I would joke about you could always sell shoes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember having conscious moments of, Oh, I see what happens is people develop these two they develop this other self to keep their paycheck. Yeah. And, and I I just knew at probably twenty-eight. And Chris and I would talk very clear I remember very clearly we would my our job was to stay more alive than ever and say it and give language to it. And if it meant I got run out or I blew the whole thing up, I would at least have my integrity in my soul. Wow. That is so good. That was like a a conscious, I had just seen this other way of doing it. Because I had a friend who was a pastor who had started a church when he was 21. He's still there at that church. And if that guy smells in a crowd of a thousand that he's offending two people, he'll stop. And be like, no, I don't want anybody to think that. Like he's yeah, just, yeah what a lot of work. What, he won't. He would be mortified if one person didn't 
like it and and he's built a thing and it feels like that it feels like a giant piece of wet toast honestly <laughs> um, you know what i mean yeah it's just yeah. a oh, and ugh. it's a taupe automobile you know totally what I mean? <laughs> it's just not, it just doesn't um and I saw that. And then as I began to understand consciousness and how cities, institutions, families, extend, um, businesses, neighborhoods have a center of gravity of consciousness, mm-hmm. there is a dominant what, a party line, a group think. Always. And that when you keep going, there's a chance you will have seen or tasted something that the people around you have it. Greater expansion and all um, later stages of consciousness always bring with them greater complexity, inclusion, and freedom. And so uh, you think about 1962 in Birmingham, Alabama. You're white, and you're part of a Southern Baptist family. Yeah. You get a flat tire by the side of the road, and a young African-American man stops and helps you fix your flat tire. And there yeah. by the side of the road you have an epiphany. Yeah. Like this segregation stuff is crap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. All of yeah. a sudden you see. And, yeah. and once you see, you cannot unsee. And once you taste, you cannot untaste. And the only way if you see to unsee is to live split. Yeah. So you have the person who actually doesn't buy any of it, but they haven't told their wife. Right. Yeah. Or yep. they're at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and everybody is on their their usual Fox News rant. Yeah. And she and her husband are sitting there going, Oh my word, if only we told them what we really <laughs> think. Because they just you know what I mean? That's yeah. just the So let's say you go home to your family, 1962, Birmingham, Alabama, at the dinner table, and you say, I I understand now that we are all equal and this division and segregation based on skin color is a, is completely wrong and I think we as a white family are actually participating in a system that oppresses and dehumanizes our African American brothers and sisters. Oh. Yeah. So at the dinner table you sharing your newfound revelation about the equality of all human beings might actually be, be the exact place of division and disruption. Among your family. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they may have a serious problem with that. So the good that is happening within you, the divine movement of spirit within you, might be the actual place of uh, disruption and angst with the system that you are a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. And no one ever said that to me. No one ever said to me, oh, if you keep growing, if you actually take part in your own evolution, it it may cause all sorts of division within your tribe because tribes always have a dominant. And I I had picked up along the way, oh, persecution. That's like like atheists in the ACLU who don't let you pray in school or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this ridiculous, but that Jesus is talking about them coming against you. He's not talking about some land way over there with a different worldview. He's talking about your family, talking about the village. 
what I, what you have right now happening is you have people all over the world who are actually growing and maturing. They're actually waking up. What you all yes. are talking about, yes. and their tribe, their parents, their brothers and sisters, their coworkers don't haven't seen what they've seen and haven't tasted what they've tasted. And this really good thing can have thing that's happened in them is actually causing disruption, pain, division, misunderstanding. And that is the great mystery of human consciousness, which is, I think, what Jesus was talking about again and again and again with his disciples is why do some people wake up and some people don't? It's the great question at the heart of everything. Oh, my gosh. I've never thought of it that way. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so Yeah, like if you actually grow, if you... If you actually take Jesus seriously, then you're going to keep discovering people who you were taught are your enemy are actually your neighbor. You're going to be more and more tuned in to what it means to be human. And being human will trump whatever divisions you've cooked up about they're this and I'm that. Labels and categories. Categories will, will make less and less sense and be less yes. and less helpful. Yes. Um, yeah. This is what will happen. <laughs> One of the interesting things that you're touching on for me is like what, when you look to deconstruct and you think you're taking something apart, what you realize is you're the one actually being taken apart. Like Jesus deconstructs us, these, these truths, the divine consciousness <laughs> waking up is you realize you're the one that's being taken apart. That's why our little logo is like John and I's heads kind of coming apart, or maybe it's coming back together. We're really not sure, but it's us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Which is, why, which is why you'll just less and less have energy to talk about how off these other people are or yeah, how right. Don't they care. are or how wrong they are. or It's just more and more your own your own own interior life will be where the interesting things are happening and that will spill over into how you relate to others. Mm. That's so good, man. That is so good. So talk a little (laughs) bit, keep talking about uh, just how you became, how you became comfortable doing this publicly, whereas so many other Christian leaders or religious leaders or even like, you know, polarized leaders at the end of the political spectrum or at the end of a scientific community or whatever, aren't as comfortable verbalizing that deconstructive process, that doubt, that exploration, that openness. How did you become good at doing that publicly? Um, I never set out to be controversial or no. to take things apart. I was trying to paint pictures of a compelling kind of life that, I was deeply drawn to, and I had the sense that if I could put language to it, it might help other people. Other oh, people so might good, say, man. oh my word, I'd love that. I would, I would love to go after that. So for me, it was always a positive I was trying to give language to. Yes. And if that happens, and, and so sometimes within that, there would be an explicit uh, naming and critiquing of that which I thought was in the way, but it, but that was always the subtext 
to that was like on the way to the bigger thing. So I hope you'd pick that up in my work is a big, beautiful thing that, that was compelling. Yes. Yes. And that any critique then or any, and sometimes within that you have to do, you've heard it said, but I, I tell you. Yes. Um, yes. And sometimes you have to name the, the thing that this is better than. Uh, but that has to be the side note. And uh, so, uh, um, like, for, for example, just the years of interacting with people who they're, I would sense, oh, wait, there's a question behind their question. The question mm. behind their question is, is the universe yeah. a safe place? And when I would just ask pro, um, how often I discovered that people had been handed a view of God or the divine or the universe that billions of people are going to be tortured forever. That this yeah. is, that's how it's all going to get sorted yeah. out. And yeah. so that's not good news. That's a horror story. Yeah. And that many people had been given something that was called the good news, but it actually involved the conscious eternal torment of billions of human beings. Yeah, man. Right? So yeah. I was like, that's no psychically bare. Nobody can bear that. And so even Love, Love Wins came out of, uh, I would meet people who were suicidal and they're like, why stay? Yeah. This is a, um, and oftentimes if you push them, if you went back far enough, you'd often on a regular basis, I would find these awful, awful messages, people. Really. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Once, you know, just I was talking about your work to someone who was, uh, you know, either suspicious or wondering, you know, what, what's this new way of saying some of these things? And I was like, look, if, if the center of this is good news, what I see this man doing is removing obstacles towards this good news so people see it in a fresh new way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good. So, so um, let's talk about uh, your Easter story, where you're getting ready to to preach one of the the largest Sundays, you know, in uh, on the Christian calendar, and you're going through this struggle and doubt. And you, I just remember reading, you just wanted to jump in your car and and drive away. Um, talk a little bit about that, and then what I think would be interesting is if you could talk a little bit about. Um, have you gone through struggles and doubts since then? Because I think people just assume that you go through it one time and then you're good, right? You figured it all out and, and you can go on with your merry life. So talk a little bit about that if you wouldn't mind. It's all, it's all part of It's a natural part of being alive. If you can see an ISIS beheading and not find yourself deeply, deeply troubled, somewhere in the deepest recesses of your spirit, then something's wrong with you. So, uh, yeah, I, I had bad definite, I had definite moments. I remember the Easter Sunday where I was like a guy rising from the dead. My job is to convince all these people that a guy rose from the dead. Really? 2000 years ago. And that has something to do with today. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> there are lots of ways to talk about death and resurrection. So part of it was simply realizing, Oh, there are, there are lots of ways to understand this story and to talk about what it means and uh, trying to prove things to people. What about in 
John, what about inviting people to dance to a particular song? What about announcing and pointing to something that I have experienced that I think people could expect people could experience as well? What about uh, the very nature of physical creation where everything that rises from the earth and provides us our, our food originally was planted as a seed in the soil? And winter, which you guys are in, everything dies. But then in spring, it will spring up out of the earth. So death and resurrection. And then 300 million cells in your body will die during this interview. But your body at the same time is growing new cells to replace those dead cells. So death and resurrection is happening in nature. It's happening in your body. It's happening every time you eat food. It is a fundamental truth in the very fabric of the cosmos. So in this ancient library of stories, when these writers are telling you about how life comes into the world, they tell you a story about death and resurrection. That's not actually a new or particularly rare story. Now, there was a community of people who believed that Jesus had somehow in his death resurrected and appeared to them and for them in the first century under the rule of the Roman Empire, this to them meant there was a better way to make the world than the Romans. Because what the Romans did is conquered everybody, and they killed, murdered, slaughtered, and crucified anybody who resisted them. And these first Christians believed that you could make a new and better world not through coercive military violence, but through sacrificial love. So they were essentially saying to the world, how do you make a better world? Do you make a better world through drones, aircraft carriers, and snipers? Or do you make a better world through generous, sacrificial love in which you care for those who need it the most in your midst? So all of a sudden, uh, now that's an interesting story. Everything is more relevant than ever. So oftentimes people are hung up on, I just can't believe in a God who would passively watch the Holocaust go on. Okay, well, well, I don't believe in that conception of God either. Yeah, um, right on. That, right. All that does is raise questions. What a mess. So, what a mess. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people are all hung up and somehow think that they're doing some dangerous, whoa, you wouldn't believe the stuff we're talking about. And I can show you in the second century. I can show you in the Gospels, the Book of Lamentations, this tradition has been taking itself apart from the very beginning. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) That's so good. So the reason why sometimes what people just need to see is a larger, oftentimes, especially what the Protestant tradition did. Yeah is it took this giant pie, cut one tiny slice of it, and only exposed people to its approved slice of the pie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so you have all sorts of people who came out of a tradition who are like not aware. So example, in the second century, Celtic spirituality began with an assumption that caring for the earth is one of our most basic responsibilities as human beings. Wow. Yes. Secondly, in Celtic spirituality, they, they always affirmed 
the sacred feminine, the value of women, and mm. that the divine is both masculine and feminine, and the divine is reflected in both masculine and feminine. And wow. then, and, uh, thirdly, in Celtic spirituality, there was a tr always been a tremendous respect for the goodness of human beings, that human beings, before anything else, carry a, a fundamental inherent goodness mm, because they are created an image of the divine. So mm. people will be like, man, there's some progressive issues with women's rights and care for the earth. Oh, progressive. Like you mean second century? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop thinking you're so original, right? <laughs> right. So yeah. So literally think about the things that we are discussing right now. Yeah. Or think about uh, the book of Acts, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch doesn't fit in the prescribed categories of sexuality for the eunuch. And yeah. the eunuch is saying to Philip by the side of the road in the book of Acts, is there anything that, that would prohibit me from being baptized? Man! Oh! So, <laughs> what, the eunuch doesn't follow biblical models of sexuality. And the eunuch is saying, I want to participate in this Jesus movement. Is there any reason why I cannot? And what you have is one of the founders of the Christian church going, I will baptize you right here and now. So, like, yes. the, the idea uh. that... <laughs> 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 yeah. So there you go. Oh, dude. Wow. We can go all day on this stuff. I got oh, yeah. to collect the brain matter that just splattered yeah. all over this room. Hang on a second. I just yeah. got to collect this brain, put it back in my head for a second. <laughs> that was that was dope, man. That was so good. Hey, you know what would be really cool? So <laughs> one of the things that we're kind of proud of, and we want to continue this, we, we hope by, by divine grace to be able to continue one of these things that we've kind of stumbled across here, and that's we have two kind of, we have a spectrum of people that listen to this thing. And there are people all the way from the strongly conservative kind of fundamentalist camp, uh, God bless them, all the way to the strongly rational, um, science-minded, that's it kind of camp, God bless them. I would, you are so good at addressing both sides in a winsome kind of way. I would love you to direct some thoughts to those kind of sides of the listener base and talk about this kind of this third way where, you know, like you say, everything is spiritual and you, you have this great way of bringing both sides together. Would you just take some time to maybe talk to those different sides? Well, the, I mean, right now, the dominant consensus among scientists is that the universe is 13.8 billion years old, yeah. that it started with a bang and some fragments, some particles. Those particles, three minutes in, formed atoms. Those atoms then began to bond with other atoms and form molecules. Those molecules began to bond with other molecules, and sometime around maybe the 10 billion year mark, you had the emergence of cells. Those cells began to bond together and form more complicated systems, and eventually somewhere around the 13 billion year mark, somewhere in there, you had the first human beings. And then somewhere in the human story, you gradually had human beings developing something called consciousness, the ability to reflect on your life, the ability to stand outside of your life, to be aware that you have a self. So that yeah, doesn't yes. emerge until late 13 billion years into the history of the universe as we understand it. So why is the universe getting more complicated? The universe moves 
from particles to atoms to cell to molecules to cells. Why is it getting more complicated? That seems like the less probable direction. And why do we not have slaves? Why have we all agreed that practicing slavery is wrong? Mm. So what is it in us that believes some things are primitive child sacrifice? Some things are primitive, barbaric, and we should not. I'll realize there's lots of things in the world right now that, are, that we haven't moved beyond that we need to. So in affirming the progress that we've made, we all agree that there's still a lot of progress to be made. Are you yeah, with me? absolutely. So what is that? What is that? Yeah. Why does the universe continue to move forward? Why does it continue to increase in complexity? Oh. Why do we all have the sense that when we get along and there's peace, somehow the whole thing moves forward? Oh. And whether somebody doesn't even a divine being, somebody does. We're here on a floating ball of debris. It's hurtling through space at 67,000 miles an hour while it's rotating at 1,000 miles an hour. It's 71% covered in water, but 95% of that water is totally unexplored. What is this? What Where is this? are we headed? Yes. Why hope, mean, inspiration, love? Why are these new in the universe? Human consciousness only really has come on the scene in the past several million years. What if? (laughs) (laughs) And there is a great mystery at the heart of the whole thing. And the hyper-rationalist is like, well, we'll figure it out. Science is going to give all the answers. Really? Really? Right. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole thing has been expanding for 13 billion years. That's your answer? Oh, man. That's your answer. Uh, And the fundamentalist keeps insisting that there is a pure, unadulterated state somewhere in the past, and we just need to get back to it, Mm. whether it's the Bible or the Constitution, if we could just get back to that pure state. Mm. But the fundamental energies of the universe are moving forward, oh, not yeah. backward. Yeah. There is no backward movement. Now, there is re- reclaiming. There is reclaiming that which got left back that we need to reclaim. But, mm. but the movement of the universe is forward. And yes. like in terms of what we're doing to the earth, the, the viability of human life on planet earth we are threatening it with our actions. Yes. So, and obviously the second command in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> called superordinance. There are some, there are some things that if we don't all rally together and do something about them, the very future of our existence is at stake. Oh man, it's so good. Uh, that's, what it means to be human right now. And uh, so I always begin with, what is this? And people are like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm thinking about getting a timeshare in Gulf Shores and, you know, Costco's got this sale on frozen salmon. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) What is this? What is this? What is it? Come on. Oh, come on. Uh, (laughs) Let's go a little deeper than salmon, right? Come on, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. I love it. That was awesome. I love it. So that's one thought. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where do you go from here, you know? Um, so we, we thought we would talk a little bit about this new book you've got coming out. Yes. Uh, uh, How to Be Here. And we're both super excited to read this. And please come to Ohio. Yes, please come to Ohio. And um, but yeah, talk talk to the listeners a little bit about what All the right. uh, what the book is. And also, I think it's really neat what you're doing with this new tour. It's very different from anything you've done before. Yeah, yeah. I uh, when I 15 years ago when I was 30, I was doing backflips, water skiing. <laughs> yeah, on a head injury and I didn't know who I was I had to be introduced to my wife and kids and I literally they brought me from the hospital back to my house and I got a tour of my life like I my I would ask my wife like where do we meet what is my job um when they brought my boys into the room I just I couldn't believe it Oh, and no. the my, because of a because of the concussion, my brain was so busy just plugging back in all the wires. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just yeah. trying that my brain didn't have the energy to be in the future, which is oh, where wow. worry comes from. Yeah. And yeah. my brain didn't have the energy to be in the past, which is where regret comes from. Wow. I could only be in the present moment. And I could only handle one thing at a time. And what happened is the present moment was so beautiful and overwhelming. It wasn't that the present was enough. It, it was that it was too much. Wow. So color, taste. And I was like everybody. I was returning uh, emails and phone calls and meetings and budgets and hiring staff and going, 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 going at the time. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm in my house. It took about a week for my brain to go back to normal. Wow. I'm in my Gosh, house man. and I can't work. And Kristen made me a burrito and <laughs> I could taste all of the spices individually. Oh my gosh. What? I pick everything out because my brain could only be here. I wasn't eating the burrito and having a conversation with you and thinking about whether the Warriors are going to win 73 games and remembering that I have to text somebody about Friday night. All I could do when I ate the burrito was eat the burrito. And it, it was like a, a peak experience without drugs in many ways. It yeah. was unbelievable. And it uh, did something to me. Like I, the present moment is infinite in its depth. Oh, yeah. But I am essentially skimming the surface of my own existence most days. (laughs) Wow. So I set out, and it was almost like like you do push-ups and you realize you have no muscles. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, I was taught to work hard. I was taught to climb the ladder. I picked up how to develop strategy and network and win people. But nobody taught me how to be fully present. It's like a whole series of skills and muscles I simply don't have and I want them. So 
the book is essentially what I've learned over the past 15 years. Wow. About, oh, my gosh. Uh, and so I begin talking about how, how you create your life and that in Jewish consciousness, they talk about the ongoing creation of the world. For many people, the world is fixed. It's established. It's already been made. And then you go out into it and you find your place in it. Oh, man. But yeah. I simply uh, sort of outline an understanding of an unfinished world that you create your life and you have more power to create your life than you yes. realize. Wow. And then what the modern world did is it created a profound disempowerment in many people. Mm. I just have to go to my job. I have to pay my bills. I'm just, this thing happens to me. Well, then, well, why not get a different job? Well, I've got bills. Well, why not live in a smaller house? Why not live closer to work and walk to work and sell your car? Like you have more power than you realize. And you have lots of educated, smart, hardworking people who somehow all of this autonomy of the modern world has actually made them feel paralyzed and passive. And so then you're essentially standing at a distance from your own life. Well, that would be nice, but what do you mean that would be nice, but why don't we rearrange things? Why not try to organize your life that way? Um, if you're wondering what if, then you're here, but you're also not here because your brain is also in that imagined future. So if you live your life wondering it, what if I tried that or what if we moved there or what if I took that risk, then you're living your life split. You're here, but you're also not here. Right. Yeah. So the book is about how to how to be here not like on a cushion on a mountain meditating detached from life uh. but how to be fully present with laundry groceries emails meetings taking care of the yard paying the tax bill is are there ways that we can actually be fully present not in stepping back from our life but being fully engaged in our life that's what the book's about Oh, that's beautiful. We think that, and not this is not a shameless plug. We really believe that, like what we're doing in having these conversations, um, absolutely, is participating in that presence. Absolutely. This started for me when I read Abraham Joshua Heschel's book on the Sabbath, and yeah. had an absolute mind melting epiphany about presence. Absolutely, and uh, I talk about that book, and uh, Sabbath. One of the chapters in the book is on. A rhythm of life. Yes. And sine waves and Sabbath and exactly what you're saying. When that book for me was like, oh, wait, there's a whole nother game to be playing. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is awesome, man. So, so talk a little bit about the, uh, this crazy tour. Are you in the middle of it now? Is that right? You're starting the North American portion? No, well, uh, that'll start uh, next week. And. Okay. Um, I basically rented art galleries and dance halls around the country. So dope, man. And uh, I'm sort sick. of deconstructing the tour experience. We'll just <laughs> put chairs. <laughs> like chair. There you go. Just yeah. chairs in the round, and I'm going to do a whole day where I take people through these ideas, and then people will ask questions, and then we'll all like surf the wave together. It'll be fantastic. We That's really, so really want to come, man. It is just nowhere near Ohio. I think Chicago is sold out. 
I know we do need to get near Ohio, don't we? I think we may, uh well, you're you're making a good case for doing a fall leg, so we may Excellent. just fall. You have a lot of friends in Ohio, my friend. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You have a lot of friends in Ohio. That's funny. Good. <laughs> Even though you're from Michigan. <laughs> hey, I'm also from I'm also from Michigan. John's so from Michigan. That's quite all right. You're quite all right in my book. <laughs> there you go. Represent. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to say to the people listening to this show uh, before we start wrapping up here, Rob? You uh, can create your life, and you have more power to do this than you realize. And you have an interior life. And you have questions and doubts and fears and worries and joys and hopes and longings and desires. And you can go in there and you can explore and you can go places that are terrifying and you can learn all sorts of things about yourself. And the more alive you are, the better off we all will be. And if you hate your job, then let's make a plan to not wake up in the morning hating your job. And if you feel stuck, there's generally one step in front of you to get unstuck, and it will probably involve some sort of risk, probably involving money, maybe involving what people think about you or reputation or ego. Um, But why live stuck, frustrated, and paralyzed? Why? You are the recipient of this extraordinarily generous gift. You're breathing. You're here. Mm. Why, life is difficult enough. Why? It's, it's going to beat you up either way. You might as well be going after something you enjoy. Oh, mm. so true. So good. You might as well. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be criticized. You're going to have people not get it. You're probably going to lose money on stuff. Like that's, that's going to happen regardless. So you might as well wake up in the morning with some sense of adventure and anticipation. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Why not? Yes. Yeah, yes. why not? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. And failure is overrated. It just, it's just, a, I mean, a, you're at a dinner party and someone starts telling a story about how awesome they are. And, man, I was just amazing. Every shot I put up went in. We don't like this person. You're <laughs> no, trying to sound like a dick right now, to be honest, because everything is Yes. But that person at the dinner party starts telling about how the kid vomited in the plane and how the groceries spilled all over the floor. Yes. Now you're speaking our language. <laughs> and then your boss, like, yep. Those are the stories we love. You just outlined why people prefer my wife over me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because those are the stories. So just throw yourself into it. And it's going to be a giant mess. So you might as well throw yourself into something you love. And actually in that, it it might turn out to be quite fantastic. And uh, But whatever you do, don't leave your life wondering what if. Yeah. That's so good. And don't be afraid. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Well, we we just want to thank you um, so much for for taking the time to do this, and you Wasn't know, that fun? so much fun. Oh, oh my gosh, we, we would love to have you back maybe later in the year at some point, like after your tour is done and everything. Let's and do it. Give me a shot. Yeah, thank you so, so much, much my friend. Beautiful. We'll talk Beautiful. soon. All, All right, right, sounds good. Bye bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.